to Tuesday night. It was proper pizza and prayer. I saw a man walk in with six pizzas. Why you got six pizzas? No, I just want to bless, just bless, bless, bless somebody. It was really special to see other people praying for others that they didn't even know. It was, it was really special to see that happening. Uh, Margie, nice to have you back. Margie, she had a, 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 a stroke down in Durban and, and her husband's sitting with her today. I just feel like honoring you, Brennan. Because Brennan is, a, Brennan is a guy in the community. Some of you know him. And uh, I sat in his office the other day. And he was just telling me about you, Margie. And how, uh, how, how he loves you and how, how he's walked away from, from things. How he's walked away from people because of you, his wife. And he set a great example for me, but of how to love love your wife. It's nice to see you, Margie. And we thank Jesus for what you've done in Margie's life, God. We thank you, Jesus, for little Ian this week, how he slept through so peacefully from Tuesday night. God, you're a pre-answering God. Thank you for what you've done in Lynette, Lord, sitting in a chair yesterday off the respirators, being able to talk. We trust you, God, for uh, complete healing there. And um, we, we don't want to just get, get excited without knowing that you are the powerful living God who hears our prayers, who hears our cries. Yeah, thank you for touching Auntie Da this past week, Lord, and, and uh, with the work you're doing in her life so that she can be a blessing to others and, and touch other people's lives. Thank you for this place today. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, back to my story. My wife, she goes to Romans to pick up our pizzas for Tuesday night, my goodness, and it's pumping. Lisa, you were there, so you saw what happened, and she goes to the counter, puts her ordering, gives the, the lady her name, and uh, so some man standing next to her looks at her and says, oh, Michelle, and so she walks back to the back of Romans, waits for the order, it's packed, and this guy shouts from the counter at the back there, this other customer says, Michelle, you're beautiful, eh? <laughs> And so she sort of stands at the back, and this other couple standing next to her say, Shame, he's so sweet, you should keep him. <laughs> and she says, He's not my husband. <laughs> my goodness. So, so if you witness that happening in Romans, please, I need a description of this wolf who hits on my man, on my wife. <laughs> Never mind CMS, we're getting PHP involved in this. And so we, we get home on Tuesday night after an amazing evening, and before I go horizontal and fall asleep, my wife shares with me what happened at Romans, and, and then she says to me, she says, you know, I can understand when people get so lonely and they become tired of being alone. She says, I can understand why people sometimes do some crazy things that start at Romans Pizza. <laughs> Think about it. I think when people are vulnerable and when people are lonely and when people are tired of being alone, they end up doing some crazy things. And these words that Michelle spoke to me about almost midnight, Tuesday night, they've been ringing in my head the whole week. Lonely, being alone. And I want us to talk about these two words today, lonely and being alone. We're going to look at Psalm 142. So if you can turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 142. It's not on the screen, sorry for you. Bible, smartphone share with somebody. I heard a story of a man, he was sitting here last week, and, and he didn't know where scripture was, and his mate bumps him, and he says, it's a bit further in the New Testament. How beautiful. 
To see God working in people's lives as they're opening the Bible and it becomes alive to them. Not my voice. God, you speak to people's lives today. So Psalm 142 deals with loneliness that impacts every single one of us. And we're all different. Some of us have different character personality. Some of you are extroverts. You're very loud. Some of us are introverts and we're quiet and reserved. And it's so hard for me to be married to an extrovert like my wife. My goodness, she talks to strangers. I battle with that. All right, wrong way around. I'm the extrovert. Michelle's the introvert. But this topic that we talk about today impacts every single one of us. And it impacted David because he's at a place in his life where he's running. Saul has become so jealous of David, he's running for his life. He leaves his family behind. He leaves his wife. He leaves his mates. He leaves his best friend, Jonathan, behind, and he's running. And he finds himself lonely in a cave, in the depths of a cave all alone. He doesn't know what to do. David doesn't know where to turn. And at some point, 400 people join David at this place in his life. We're not sure as he writes Psalm 142, have they joined him already? Or is he writing before they join him? But nevertheless, he's alone in this cave. And he writes this for us. Have you ever been alone? Have you ever felt alone? Maybe literally like you're the only one around. But but maybe you've got people around you at some stage and you still feel alone. And he writes this for us. Let's read it together. Psalm 142. I cry out to the Lord. I will lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaints. Before him, I tell him my trouble. Just in case you don't know what's happening here, he's telling God now how he really feels. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. This is him now. No one is here. No one is concerned for me. The ESV version says no one takes notice of me. Ever felt like that? No one's noticing me. More than 20 Psalms, David writes and he speaks about, God, where are you? Why have you left me? He's carrying on here. He says, I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen, please listen, God, to my cry. I am in desperate need. Another translation says, I am brought very low. And it it feels like David is at his lowest of lows, cannot get any lower. And he says, rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous, say the righteous, Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So this is the loneliest moment of David's life. When was your most loneliest moment? Think back. When were you the most lonely in your life? Here's a story about my Greek friend straight out of Benoni. He takes his family to the UK for a holiday. They land at Heathrow. They get on the tube. They get off. They're connecting now to another tube another line because they're going to the hotel and as they're about to get on the train their teenage young teenage daughter gets on the train with her luggage mind the gap doors closed douche she's on the train all alone no cell phone doesn't know where the hotel is 
And my mate says he starts running on after the train, trying to get in desperately. He says the emotion on his daughter's face, loneliness, anxiousness, like what now? He tries to mime to her, get off at the next stop. He says to the family, stay here because she might end up coming back here. He jumps on the next train, gets to the next stop, doors open, he jumps out. She's not there. And so if you want to hear part two of the Greek family, (laughs) how this holiday started, how it finished, come back next week, I'll tell you about that. But I think there are two types of loneliness that the Bible speaks about. Number one, there's a loneliness of being alone. And it's just you, nobody else. You're alone because of an absence of some sort of relationship, an absence of a spouse, an absence of of maybe a son or a daughter. We've got friends, I don't see them here, their only child, their daughter's just immigrated to New Zealand. The the absence of family, of a loved one, the absence of a friend, and and that leads to loneliness. But I think there's a second type of loneliness as well. Just like that teenage daughter on the tube, she had hundreds of people around her, but she was alone. And at times we've got people around us, but we we still feel alone. And I want to chat about both of these this morning, friends. Let's look at the first type of loneliness. Everybody has a spouse, you don't, time's marching on. Maybe you used to have a spouse, and, and it ended in divorce, and maybe you look back to those times thinking, maybe it wasn't that bad, because you're so lonely, and maybe you think, I, I should go back to that. And, and then there's others of you who are saying, Daryl, I'll never go back to that, because he lived a life controlling me like this, I'm not going to go back to that. Okay, fair enough, but time's marching on, you're feeling so lonely, and maybe you're about to settle for second best, because you're feeling so alone. Maybe it's even a bit worse than that. Maybe, maybe you've lost your spouse. There's a row here of five ladies here sitting together. They've lost their spouse. And, and you're reminded because every time the sun goes down and it's time for dinner, you look across the table and it's just you. You alone. And it's hard, Mrs. Bazzone. And we don't know how that feels. Maybe there's an absence of friends and you resent the weekends because Monday to Friday I'm with my mates at work and then on Saturday and Sunday, they were their family, and I'm all alone. I've got nobody. And it's even worse when it's his turn for the kids on the weekend. Then you really are all alone. I think the greatest people that the Bible speaks about being alone is orphans. Man, because there you've got no friends. You've got no family. You don't have a parent. There's no one. In Genesis chapter 2, there's this fascinating story about people and life. God creates the world. Day one, he looks, and you can read it. God says, it's good. Day two, God looks, and he says, it's good. Day three, it's good. Day four, God looks, and he says, it's good. Day five, it's good. Day six, he says, it's very good. And then in chapter two of Genesis, there comes a part where God looks, and he says, it's not good. And you think, God, what do you you mean it's not good? God says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. Interesting, eh? Was Adam really alone? He had God. The Bible says in the coolness of the afternoon, in that magnificent garden, the roses outside here by the box, they're beautiful. Rodin School yesterday, magnificent gardens. But here Adam is in the beautiful garden. And in the afternoon sun, the coolness of the afternoon, he used to be with God. They used to talk. They used to spend time together. Was he really alone? 
And then God had the animal, Adam had the animals. And the theologians argue very strongly, and I'm going to go with them on this, friends. They say that the animals were probably tame in the Garden of Edom. So he had the lion to pat and he had the elephant to ride on. Was he really alone? Interesting, friends. Maybe Adam was an introvert and he didn't want to spend time. He didn't need to spend time with people. Maybe he was like my mate who's an extrovert and rides on a Saturday, talks the hind legs off a donkey with the group and then gets home to his house and his wife's out shopping, kids are out. He's all alone and he loves it. I I don't know what type of person Adam was and I don't know what type of person you are, whether you are an introvert or whether you are an extrovert, but God says it is not good for you to be alone. He wants us to be with people. I met a teacher and her daughter two weeks ago. And as they were walking to their car, I I, I know this teacher, I'd never met her daughter. And I thought, I wonder if that could be her daughter, because I'd heard a story about her daughter. And so I took a page out of you extroverts book. And and I I thought, let me go and extrovert myself and and, and go and call her by her name, because I knew her name. And, And I walked behind her and I said, Hi, are you so-and-so? And And she turned around, and and she looked at me. She said, yes. And there was cat hair all over her clothes. And and, and yes, you're laughing. And and yes, I would have formed a perception about her, seeing cat hair all over her. But I didn't, because I knew her story. Friends, let's you and me not judge people if we don't know their story. And I looked at her. And I knew that for two days she hadn't slept because she found her husband dead. And all she has are her five cats. And I looked at her and I thought, Jesus, let me, let me look at her. I don't know what to say, but let me look at her and know that you love her. When Jesus looked at that rich man from Ibotzi in Mark chapter 10, go and read it. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And I looked at this woman and I said, I'm sorry, can I pray for you? And right there, we just, we prayed together. I don't know if this lady knows Jesus, but I do know this. Jesus wants to be part of her life in this painful time. He wants to be with her. And I also know this. He wants people to be around her, just like he wants people to be around Adam, because it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. God's put us put inside of us a desire to relate to each other we were not designed to be alone friends God recognizes it's a problem David felt alone and when you feel alone people might say oh just pull up your socks and try and get everything together friends you shouldn't feel ashamed if you're feeling alone feeling alone is very real Getting through Psalms has helped us because we, we, be, we, we come into grips with um, living with our emotions. David lived as a man's man, but man, he, he showed us and express, expressed his emotions. He was in touch with his feelings. He didn't try and suppress his feelings. He spoke to God many times, crying out, I'm alone. I feel alone. God, where are you? And us as a family and us at Freedom Church, we've got to recognize that people are alone. Why? Because we're building a family here that is real, that is radical, and relational, the three R's. And, and you as a church are part of this responsibility. No, Daryl, it's your responsibility. No, we are responsible for looking out for those who are alone. We've got to care for those who are alone. And it's not just the, those who are single that are alone. 
I, I think of that family who have relocated from Springs to Atlasville and how they're going through the biggest storm in their life with their little son, Ian. I don't know how they feel, but if it was me, I'd feel pretty alone. And, and if you're single, I don't know how that feels, but I do care. Freedom Church, we've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a city that so desperately needs Jesus. We've got to be sensitive to those who feel alone. There's a lady at Freedom Church who went in for an operation just this past while. She got dropped off at the hospital, and she was going to go in under anesthetic and come out. And before she went in, she said, Lord, it would be so nice just to have somebody waiting for me as I come out of anesthetic. Yeah. I mean, most of us, when we go for an op, we've, we've got at least somebody that's going to be there when we wake up and, and helps us that we don't, you know. And, and, it, and God put it on somebody else's heart, another lady at Freedom Church, just to go and break an hour of her time that afternoon, just to go and see if she's okay. And God's timing, beautiful, eh? She went, and that, that same sort of moment, she'd come out. And as this woman opened her eyes and saw a friend, not really a friend, but another lady being there with her, she started to weep feeling of being alone. And then, and then I heard another story of a lady at Freedom Church whose spouse has passed away, and uh, this week it was her anniversary of her wedding, and, and how, instead of her sitting at home, who owes me, went and made an effort in another lady's life who's just recently lost her spouse. And then I sat with a lady at the mug and been having a protein shake on Wednesday, and she shares with me how she's been going through this divorce, it's happened so quickly, and how her neighbor how her neighbor has just come alongside of her and supported her and invited her to church and how a group of people have, have gathered around her becoming so supportive. Three stories in one week of what God is doing, using people in their own situations, just breaking their top. Freedom Church, we got to carry on. We can't stop. Because I don't know, one day, are we going to be in a building where it's just going to be about the building and we're going to forget about what's been happening here in this hall? I spoke to a man in his car this week. We were driving, and I said, I don't want it to become about a building one day. It's got to always be about the people. And some of my pastor friends are phoning and saying, so how many people are coming to church on a Sunday at Freedom? And I look at them and smile, and I don't really know. Well, you better start counting. You must check, put the chairs out, see how many people are coming. I don't want to do that, friends. I don't want to count how many people are here on a Sunday. I rather want to count and see who wasn't here on a Sunday. I want us as a church to go out and, and remember, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. How, how's he doing? How's his family doing? I want us to count the one and not count how many are here on a Sunday. Amen? Let's do it that way, Freedom Church. Going after the one who feels alone. That's the first type of being alone when you really are all alone. What about the second type of loneliness? Where there are people around you, you're living with people, you're rubbing shoulders with people, but you still feel alone. There's a loneliness in the midst of family, or the, there's a loneliness in the midst of friends. Maybe there's a loneliness in the, in the midst of, an, of a loveless marriage. Maybe you're with your, 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 your spouse, your husband, your wife, but it's just the two of you. It's just the two of us, oh, just the two of us. And, and, and maybe, you, maybe you go to a dinner function with friends, and afterwards, you get in the car, and you close the door, and you're just alone. Silence, and you don't know. The, the, the friends don't know what's happening in, in your life. 
and you're pretending that everything's good, but there's just the two of us. It's that silence, that alone. Maybe you've got mates. Maybe you have. I, I, I met a man this week. He said, I've got mates at the soccer club, but we don't talk on a deep level like we're talking now, Daryl. Maybe you've got mates, but you still feel alone. It's amazing how lonely you can feel when there's no love in that relationship. And there's supposed to be love that's provided in that relationship. And we say we love each other. I'll tell her I love her. She doesn't, she doesn't sense it. Show her. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think of um, some of my mates who, who I've spoken to. And I've said, but you, you know I love you. And, and I'm concerned about this that's happening in your life. When I walk away, do they feel judged and cold? Or do they really feel... Do they really know that I love them? Freedom Church, we can't play church where we tell people but, that we love them, but, but they don't feel it. People have to know. People have to feel that love from us. And sometimes there's positive things in our lives that, that come across our path that can make us feel alone. Think of that, posi- that position, that person climbing the corporate ladder, and they get to that place of leadership, sitting in the office, but they're alone. And so positive things can come across your path, cause you to still feel alone. Many sports stars, think about that. Many actors having success, thousands of fans around them, but they feel alone. James Dean, that actor before my time, he was in New York, 1952, in a restaurant, and he writes on a piece of paper, he says, being an actor is the loneliest thing in the world. Interesting, eh? Robin Williams, he he said the worst thing in life is to end up alone. No, that's not the case, friends. The worst thing in life is to be with people who make you feel all alone. That's that's the worst thing. And I think of actors and celebs that have come straight out of Benoni. Charlize Theron, not Theron, Theron, Charlene Woodstock. And when they put their heads down on that feathered pillow in New York or Hollywood or Monaco, do they think back to days in Benoni when they put their head down in Benoni on that good old pep pillow? <laughs> and and do, they, do they think back to a time in Benoni where, where they were loved by people, where they were, were accepted by people because of who they are and not because of what they've become? Do they think back to a time where people loved them and showed them Jesus here in Benoni? I wish that was the case. Maybe it was. Imagine they were here today. Love them for who they are, not because of what they've become. What other things cause us to feel alone? Stress, health, the workplace, financial strain. There's a man sitting here today who got a call from a customer this week saying, we owe you almost a million. We'll we'll pay you a little bit, but we can't pay you 400. You're going to have to write that off. He's all alone. Staff don't know. Financial strain. And I can sure, I can say to my buddy, I, I know how it feels because I've been in business, but do I, do I really know? Do I really know what he's going through? I think that's the biggest issue of being alone is that we don't think people understand what it feels like to be me. They don't understand what I am going through. Whether you're a CEO in charge of a big company or whether you're 30-something and still single, maybe you're living with a terminal disease. In your head, you're saying, nobody knows what it's like to be me. No one understands. 
And then there's this feeling of loneliness coming in. That's a major reason, because no one understands. You know what, friends? People let us down. 150%, I'm going to let you down. I, I let my buddy down this week, and I could have been so more supportive because of what he's going through with this business situation. I'm going to let you down. People are going to let us down. And you know what? Sometimes we think God lets us down. God, where are you? Why have you let me down? Let's pull out a few phrases here from Psalm 142. I think it's on the screen there. Thanks, Jay. This is David. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry out to you, Lord. And I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen, listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison. David describes this feeling of being alone like being in a prison. And he wants to escape. He wants to be set free from this prison so that he can praise. Why? So that he can praise God. Psalm 25 is another psalm that he mentions being lonely in. It says on the screen there, coming now. Turn to me and be gracious to me. This is David. For I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart. Loneliness is something that affects our hearts. Loneliness is a heart issue. And it's going to affect every single one of us at some point or another. Daryl, I'm not feeling lonely. Loneliness affects all of us at some stage or another. We will feel lonely. And I want us today to wrap up and see how the Bible can help us. If you're lonely right now, or if you're lonely in a week or in a month's time, how can the Bible help us when we feel lonely? Remember we said earlier, the main reason that God made you and me is to have a relationship with Him. And He wants to have a relationship with us. That's the main reason. But he's somehow crafted into this, having a relationship with other people around us. And that is a significant part of our lives. Whether you have relationships right now that are good or bad, maybe you have a relationship right now that, that, that can compare to sickness. Because God, God didn't create or desire sickness to be part of your life or disease. So too does God not desire for you to be lonely Freedom Church, we are in the process of working all of this out as we go through life together on this straight road, doing life together with Jesus until one day we won't be talking about this anymore because one day we are going to be with our Heavenly Father where we will never be alone. Jesus died on the cross, yes, for that very reason, but He died on the cross for, for another reason. It goes much deeper than just that, friends. Jesus died on the cross because he wanted to save you and me into a family. In John 19, Jesus is on the cross. He's busy dying. And he looks down from the cross. And he sees his mate, John. And he sees his mother, Mary. He says, John, that's your mother. Mother, that's your son. Right there on the cross, he was busy putting a family together. As he died on the cross for you and I. And then, he, you know what he was quoting there? Psalm 68 God is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender to the widows. And then it says, he sets the lonely in families. See how the Bible lines up there? Maybe you're still here today. And after this, this preach, you're saying, I, I still feel alone, Daryl. You'll never understand what, what I'm going through, Daryl. Maybe I won't, friends. Maybe I'll never understand what it really means to be alone. But Jesus does. Oh, how do you know that, Daryl? There was a stage in Jesus' life where he really was all alone. 
because he came to save the people who rejected him. And he came to die on the cross and still they did not accept him. And then on the cross, as he's about to die, he, he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sebachtini. You know where that is, Psalm 22. God, why? God, why? My own father, why have you forsaken me? I'm all alone. I'm not with you, my heavenly father. He cries that out. He knows what it feels like to be all alone. And because of that moment when Jesus, Jesus was really all alone, you and me will never, ever, ever be all alone. Can we stand together? I want us to pray out loud Psalm 142 together. Can we do that? Pray this after me. I cry out to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge. Set me free from my prison. That I may praise your name. Jesus, you've heard people cry out to you today. And I thank you that you have made us righteous. It's got nothing to do with us. It's because of what you've done on the cross, Jesus, that we have been made righteous. And I pray that us as a church, as a family, that we will gather around the lonely, the one. And we'll love them for who they are, not for the situation that they're in. And I pray that your kingdom will be built in this community, in the city of Benoni, through us, through us your kids. In Jesus' name.